Hello and welcome to the Swift Coders Podcast, where each week we interview an amazing Swift developer about their experience with Apple's new open source programming language. We hear their stories, learn their tips and tricks, and try to leave you feeling inspired and empowered on your Swift Coder journey. I'm your host, Garrick, and today's guest is Yoni Zafir. Yoni is the iOS team lead at Joytunes, a mobile app development company based in Tel Aviv that makes music education apps. Welcome to the show, Yoni. Hey, Garrick, and it's a great honor to be here. Oh, a great honor. Yeah, wow. big fan, big fan of the show. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. You So you listen to the show? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool, cool. Uh, like all the episodes, some of the episodes? Um, what, whatever I can get. I, I began, I heard about the show uh, when Gennady was interviewed. He, he published the, the episode and I know Gennady. And uh, then I went back and listened to a few. And of course, I'm subscribed, so it gets... Uh, All right. Yeah, well, thank you very much. Weekly podcast routine. <laughs> oh, nice. Thank <laughs> you. Yeah. So that's how we actually, uh, Yoni and I got connected was through Gennady, Gennady O'Crane. I'm sure everyone knows who that is. <laughs> um, and that's awesome. So maybe we'll get into that a little later, whether online or offline, about, uh, you know, your experience listening to the, the podcast and mm-hmm. how I can make it better. Because, uh, you know, I, I do get positive feedback about the podcast, but then. You know, I just want to make sure that it's actually providing some type of use uh, for for people out there in the world. Um, yeah. You know, I'm I'm trying to I want to interview the people behind, like the people using the language. So you, me, like the people actually using it, like learn their stories, like who these people are, in the hopes that like people that are learning to become people like us, right, or whatever, right, learning to become iOS developers, like can be empowered by that. Um, and so I'm just hoping that it, it does that. Um, I mean, for you, I guess you're more experienced, I assume. Um, what, I mean, what do you get out of it, I guess? Because like, I'm always trying to, like, my, my avatar, uh, as John Lee Dumas would say, is, like, someone who's, like, six months to, you know, new to six months, maybe even a year of, like, learning. Mm-hmm. But someone like you, I assume you have, like, years of experience. Like, what do you get out of it? Well... First of all, I enjoy the, the conversation because you are talking with people, so I get to know people and I love, you know, I love listening to, to podcasts and this is something that re- relates highly to what I do. So, of course, it's interesting uh, to know the people and, of course, I'm learning a few things uh, every episode. Oh, uh, oh wow, yeah. look at that. Yeah. We're even teaching Yoni a thing or two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. Right that's on, the, right That's the on. way to, to be up to date. Uh, All right, cool. Yeah, yeah so uh, again, Yoni and I, uh, this is our first time talking. Uh, we never really talked before except a little bit offline before we started. We met through Gennady. And uh, yeah, so we're just excited to talk with you today. It's a beautiful, sunny Southern California day here in Los Angeles. You're in Tel Aviv? Yeah, I'm uh, at a suburb of, suburb of Tel Aviv. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, and, and now it's... 10 p.m. so <laughs> not uh, not sunny now but yeah it was a, it was a great day nice is it <laughs> summer in tel aviv right now yeah how does it work so in the northern hemisphere it's summer in the southern hemisphere it's winter is that how it works yeah i think so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right on right on uh, all right yeah so- it's very hot in tel aviv very hot weather but uh this week was uh compared to august it was really reasonable Right on. Cool. Yeah, I've never been to Tel Aviv. I'd like to go one day. Uh, you should. <laughs> so, 
So what's it like being an iOS developer in Tel Aviv? Well, uh, I imagine it's not as exciting as being an iOS developer at, at the Valley or at California. <laughs> But, really? Uh, How come? I, I, I don't know. It just seems like the scene there is... Uh, You know, more, more talks, more meetups. Uh, but we do have a nice community um, of a couple of hundred developers, um, probably more, but the, com the active in the community is like in the hundreds, I think. Okay. Um, yeah, and, uh, and great resources, very talented people. Uh, the thing is, uh, iOS and Apple are not as popular in Israel as they are in the States. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, and one of the reasons is like uh, everything is much more expensive, uh, Apple-wise at least. There's no official Apple store in Israel. What? Uh, yeah, there are like uh, third-party uh, resellers. Uh, one is called iDigital. But they're, they're, I don't know the exact reason, the tax reason, whatever, but everything is much... more expensive. The, the iPhones, uh, iPhones versus Android, uh, uh, the, the price difference is much larger in Israel. Um, and for that reason and others, I, 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 there are still geeks like me that are really passionate about Apple and iOS, but, uh, but there are less uh, than, than what I, from, from the side, it seems like to be in the U.S. Right. So it seems like in, in maybe the U.S., California, the Valley specifically, but like Los Angeles, New York, like these places are more active because there's just more people. Yeah. iPhone's more popular. So there's yeah. just more uh, However, more that, being said, that being said, Israel is uh, in the startup scene is, in Israel is awesome. It's like, yeah, that's uh, what I've heard. Yeah. We, we call ourselves startup nation. Uh, I don't know. Nice. Uh, I don't know if I like this, but uh, that's that's the, the rumor. Because, uh, you know, very, uh, very large amount of startups uh, compared to the population. And uh, it's actually cool because if you're a good developer and there are uh, a lot of good developers in Israel, there are very interesting positions, very interesting startups uh, and a very interesting tech scene, actually. If you're uh, like an English speaker, for instance, like me, if I wanted to move to Tel Aviv and work uh, as an iOS developer for a mm -hmm. year, is that possible or do I need to speak uh, Hebrew? No, it's absolutely possible. Uh, it would be hard culturally because, um, you know, there's... there's I'll just go live in the Armenian quarter. <laughs> uh, it's interesting. Uh, <laughs> Anyhow, it, it would be hard culturally to fit in uh, uh, the startup uh, life of, you know, like uh, okay. happy hours and stuff because uh -huh. um, I'm sure it's possible. There are, there are a lot of English speakers here. Uh, I, uh, I know, I know a, lot of, a lot of English speakers, even uh, some who don't know Hebrew very well. We actually had, uh, not in the iOS dev team, we had uh, in the marketing team in, uh, in JoyTunes, we had uh, um, someone who didn't speak Hebrew. Um, and I must say, it, it didn't work out eventually, uh, I think, because of the culture. Uh -huh. uh, you know, because there's a lot of, uh, a lot of startup, you know, startup culture. Uh, It's like family almost. Yeah, yeah. And... 
it's not that people didn't try and you know you talk in, in English uh, um, and but you could feel like an outsider I'm sure and yeah then you kind of get discouraged or something yeah uh, anyhow I think that it can work there are a lot of companies uh, who can adjust and uh, and you know there are a lot of um, of native uh, native English speakers uh, and everybody knows at least in the high-tech scene everybody knows English the emails are written in in English almost all the time so it's not uh, very hard but uh, the only the only thing is the startup culture which might you might feel a little bit of an outsider yeah. have you considered coming to uh, the states to work as an iOS developer kind of like Gennady y yeah I considered it I of course of course every it's like a, a bit of an Israeli dream to come to uh, I actually have two cousins uh, in uh, in San Francisco so so of course uh, it's an option but uh, I don't know. Life didn't get me there yet. <laughs> right, right. Gennady came back, I think, right? He, yeah. He yeah. went back to Israel. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah, and he's hey. starting a new meetup now. And, um, All right, Tuesday. there we go. Yeah, it's cool. There we go. <laughs> All right, cool. So, Yoni, I want to learn more about you specifically. So, uh, what are you up to right now? You're working at Joytunes. What's that like? Well, I've been in Joytunes for, for five years now. Um, I'm the... I'm the first developer in the company, the first employee, you might say, the first non-founder employee. Uh, and it's been really, really good. Uh, really, uh, it's been a lot of fun. It's kind of my dream job, I must say. Um, well, the first reason is, um, uh, I, apart from being a developer, which is my profession, my full-time job, I'm also a musician. Uh, nice, me too. Yeah, I heard I heard the the episode you said you play harmonica. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's cool. What do cool. you play? Um, so I'm I'm also a musician. I really love music. It's it's more of a hobby. But what instrument uh, do you play? I, I play the piano. Nice. Uh, the keyboard and uh, and I also compose music. Um, I wow. actually wrote a, a couple of uh, children's shows here in Israel. Music children's shows. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, so, so that, that that's a hobby of mine. Uh, and I always always wanted to combine uh, music and software development. And uh, I looked for a company like this, and Joytunes came along, and it was a perfect match. And there I am, five years later, I'm still in Joytunes, enjoying every moment, and uh, it's great. So what do you do every day? Are you coding a lot, or are you more like managing people? Okay, so I would say that, uh, uh, I would say that I'm coding, I'm mostly coding, especially nice. lately. Uh, I really love coding, I love managing people as well, I love working with people, I also love making product decision which I also right. tend to, to make but uh, but especially nowadays with the team had a little changes and I'm I would say I'm at least 80% coding now so nice so how yeah. many uh, other iOS developers are on your team or how many developers do you manage we have uh, we have a team of five developers um, mm. currently Wow. Uh, Five I would say it's developers. more like three and uh, two halves because two of them have like additional uh, parts. But uh, yeah, okay, we're we're a team of five right now. Yeah, 
Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, I can imagine being a, a team lead. You know, you want to code. Hopefully, it sounds like you're getting to. So that's awesome. But you also get to make, as you said, product decisions and technology decisions. So like, we should use this particular technology versus another or first party frameworks or third party frameworks or coding styles or whatever. So that's really cool. Mm-hmm. So what is uh, what's up with Joytunes right now? Like, how many apps have you guys released? Uh, where what's your sort of like okay. state right now? Yeah, sure. So um, so we have I think four apps in the App Store right now, but uh, I would say two of them are are really actively developed and uh, in the focus. Uh, one is actually I I will mention three the. Uh, the less active but really cool one is called Piano Dustbuster, uh, which okay. is like uh, it's it's a game with uh, a granny that dusts her piano from germs, <laughs> and it's like a, a casual introduction to music. Um, cool. Uh, and it's nice. Uh, we have another app called Piano Maestro. Uh, it's uh, an app for teachers and families uh, who learn piano. It's like uh, a lot of teachers are using us. We have an active Facebook group of uh, piano teachers. Uh, I, I would say that the first thing that to know about Joytunes, like the, the, uh, the special sauce, let's call it, um, our apps, uh, they're not just teaching you piano uh, like with YouTube videos or something like that. Um, the apps are we have a we have a, an a acoustic engine that can recognize real piano sounds and analyze the analyze the, the the signal and give you feedback for what you are playing. So you can use the apps on any piano, whether it's a, an electronic piano or a real piano, grand piano, whatever. You put the iPod, iPad or iPhone on the piano and you play and you get score for what wow. you play. So it really makes a great difference for teachers, for students, for... Uh, um, and, and, uh, so it's something uh, that teachers re- really see as a great advantage over other alternatives they have. So, so we reached a very nice adoption uh, in, the, in the US uh, with piano teachers. Oh, cool. So it's in the U.S. It's not just in like Tel Aviv. It's in the U.S. It's it's it's, it's worldwide, but the market oh, is awesome. really targeted towards the U.S. currently. Um, um, I'll get to that. I'll get to other places where we we get. And that I'll, I'll just mention the third app, uh, which is also very active and uh, developed. It's the newest app. It came out uh, last September, um, and it's called Simply Piano. Okay. And, uh, and this is an app that is more for self-learners, like uh, someone like you can, can try, uh, or someone with less uh, of a musical background can simply take the app, uh, take a piano and start learning from scratch. Uh, without, um, right, yeah, just yeah. to kind of teach yourself. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. All right, well, cool. It sounds like you guys have uh, some interesting products and have had uh, like a, a good amount of success. and. Uh, that's really cool, man. It sounds like you're working on some really interesting stuff. And maybe we'll get into some of that audio stuff a little later. But before we do, okay. I want to learn some specific things about you, Yoni. Like, mm-hmm. where did you come from? Uh, like, how did you get into programming? How did mm-hmm. you get to where you are? So, uh, when did you start programming? So, I, I would actually say first that I heard the episode with uh, Yariv. 
you had. Okay. And uh, yeah, yeah. there are a lot of similarities in our stories. <laughs> oh, you were also in the military? Yeah, of course. Like, oh. uh, like most of the Israeli tech industry. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So... Uh, I all uh, I okay. So I'll talk about myself. Let uh, you side because I, okay. Yeah, so, yeah, no, that's what you're here to do. <laughs> so I I think I started programming at the age of ten, more or less. Wow. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I don't even remember how it started. I just remember uh, a couple of friends of mine told me about uh, QBasic, uh, like uh, very quick basic, a very cool. Uh, a thing you can do with a computer and it uh, you can create games and nice <laughs> stuff appear on the computer yeah i remember studying like that um quick basic then pascal then then a little bit of c c plus plus um and were you doing this at school or did you have a computer at home i have a, i had a computer at home uh, how did you have a computer sorry where did you get a computer? Your your mom, your dad, your brother? Yeah, I, I guess my parents bought it for me. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. Why? Did you ask for it or? No, it was. Um, I I I had older brothers. Uh, an older brother and older sister. Uh, I I remember there was a computer at home since I was born. I don't remember anything wow, else. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so. But I, but I'm the the only one in the family that is really into computers. Okay. Um, so I don't remember how did I have a computer, but I just had one, and and everybody in the neighborhood had one. It's like maybe maybe all the kids had, and I asked from from one from my parents. I don't remember. Anyhow, I started like that. It wasn't in school. It was uh, like just in my free time with friends. Uh, later, um, when I was about 12, I joined a summer camp uh, that, is, that was, back in the time, it was called uh, Computers and Fun. <laughs> in okay. Yeah. Uh, so it was a computer summer camp. Yeah, yeah, it was a computer summer camp, but what actually a regular summer camp with uh, you go to the pool, you, you eat at the dining room and whatever. You have like uh, activities and also right, you, you learn also... something. <laughs> nice. You learn about computers. That's cool. I never heard of that. Yeah. Uh, so I went there uh, year after year. I learned stuff like C++, HTML. I don't, don't remember everything. Games uh, like uh, games ma game makers uh, and such. And later I became, uh, I actually became an uh, instructor in, the, in this summer camp. And it was. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, up until high school, I kept going back every summer, uh, teaching. Then later, I was teaching uh, kids there. It was very cool. So, did you do programming in the military? Yeah. So, uh, actually, before the military, I was um, at uh, Bar Ilan University. Has some uh, program for uh, uh, from uh, for a math. Uh, I don't know how to call it. Uh, like, like a math degree? Uh, yeah, it's a, it's like for a gift, gifted students in math to do the, um, the it's, it's called the Bagrut exam, the matriculation or whatever, uh, oh, okay. earlier so, earlier than the rest of the high school students, and then you right. can you can go on to to have your degree in uh, math, mathematics and computer science before you join the military, which is like very, accelerated. It's like an accelerated program. 
Yeah. So it's so. How does it work? You go to high school, then you go to military, and then university, or high school, university, then military, or so. Usually in Israel, you first go to military, and then you go to, uni- to the university. But uh, okay, I, I was in a special program that made it uh, upside down. Like I go first to the yeah. university. Uh, I instead of enrolling in the age of eighteen, I had to postpone one year and uh, finish my degree. And then I started at the age of 19, I started the military. Okay, yeah. cool. Uh, so what did you do when you got there? Uh, well, the truth is I can't really talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it sounds funny, but, uh, but that's the truth. So I can't really talk about what exactly I did there, but, uh, but I was a programmer. Uh, that's that's uh, awesome. Okay, yeah. so yeah, you did programming. Yeah, okay. so I programmed uh, in... Uh, very uh, around very talented uh, people uh, most of them a lot of them are now still friends of mine and uh, work with me uh, even in the in, in this company in previous companies where like uh, it's a it's a technical technological unit with very talented people can you talk about like what type of programming or what language yeah or so what? so it's at first it was mostly Java in Linux environment. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, like uh, standalone Java applications, not very cool. user facing, like behind right. the yeah, scene yeah. stuff. Yeah. Uh, that was mostly what I did. Um, I did for. So then, yeah. So, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I did for three years. Uh, okay. About three years I did this. Uh, the standard service is three years. I had to add a little bit. Uh, it's part of my okay. job. Uh, and then I went to, after three years of, of coding, I went to uh, being a, a teacher, an instructor of, in the course that I was a member of. Um, in the military? Yeah. Okay. So I, I was in charge of, uh, of training new recruits. Wow. Uh, for six months and then I went, I came back to be a team leader uh, of an IT department. Uh, it was less uh, in a private, private company or no, still no, in the no, military? No, no, in the military, yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. And yeah. then how long, how long, like when did you finally leave the military? So after four and a, five, uh, four and a half years, uh, I left the military. And what did you do? Uh, I joined a startup called uh, FSD Biometrics. Uh, Whoa! Cool. Yeah, what, did, what did you guys do? Uh, it's an interesting uh, product. It's like a virtual doorman. Uh, oh! You stuff that are now hot like Siri and uh, speech recognition uh, and facial recognition. You, you like you put a system in the entrance to a building. And then people can come in, and if they're recognized with a face, they simply uh, get inside. If they're not, the, it, a Siri-like uh, system will talk to them, ask, who are you here for, uh, what, what, do you want, what do you want to do? And uh, How long were you with them for? Uh, a year or so. What, uh, what happened there? Did you leave? Did it get bought? Or? Uh, I left. <laughs> oh, okay. What type of programming were you doing there? Uh, also Java. Uh, Interesting. Okay, so how did you make the transition to, uh, I assume, Objective-C and iOS? Yeah, Uh, so after that, I was a year at IBM. I can skip that part. IBM IBM in Tel Aviv? 
Yeah, the, it's actually, uh, there's a storage company uh, called uh, XAV, Storage Systems, that was bought by IBM, but they were, bought they were purchased before I arrived there. So I was an IBM employee, but it's called XIV IBM or something like that. Um, so I was there for a year as well, doing mostly and Python. And still doing job. Oh, Python. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which, which is something I did also in the military, but uh, less. And you can use Python, I heard, for the machine learning stuff, right? Computer vision and stuff. Yeah, but that was not what I was doing. <laughs> okay. It's a storage company, so I did. Yeah, yeah storage uh, solutions like databases and stuff um yeah you can say most like it's a real storage machine uh, i made okay, like big big hard drives yeah yeah exactly. okay so then what you're at ibm for a little bit then what and then uh, and then i actually i was looking what to do I, uh, it was not very interesting for interesting for me at uh, doing storage uh, because right. i'm really passionate about products and uh, doing stuff that people will use and are passionate about. And uh, as I said at the beginning, uh, my dream was to combine my love to music and, uh, and development. Um, and then uh, I saw an email uh, uh, of a friend uh, saying about Joytunes, the, telling me uh, that they're looking for employees and, I, and he knows I'm I'm searching for a music-related startup, and it seems like a perfect fit. And, and I went to an interview in the back in back in back then they didn't have an office; they were in garage mode. So I went to the apartment of one of my of one of the founders, and uh, and his dog uh, jumped on me. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so it was uh, an interview like that. And what, there was a click. I, I knew it was uh, really interesting for me. And, uh, and then I joined and uh, they told me they were going to do an iPad app for piano. And I said, cool, that, that sounds really cool. And so you had no Objective-C or iOS experience at that point? No. Uh, but you obviously had all this other programming experience. Mm -hmm. So they were willing to hire you and you know let you learn. Yeah, and I, I must say that most of our... Uh, I, most of our team, almost all of our team, uh, are of a very similar profile. It's like uh, we re we really look after good developers. We look we're looking for good developers before looking for uh, iOS specific experiment uh, experience. <laughs> so. Interesting. Okay, so there's a couple things in there. Um, one is, well, what if someone is you know, doesn't have any programming experience, but they're really passionate about iOS or, or and they have a, some experience with iOS. Uh, maybe they're not a great fit for your team, but um, like I, that's that describes me. You yeah. Know? And like I don't want to I don't want to let uh, this like feeling of like doubt because I don't have programming experience. Mm -hmm. I only have iOS experience like prevent me. Like what do you what are your feelings about someone like that? Well, Experience is not everything, right? It's like the attitude uh, is very, very important uh, for being a good developer. And if you're really passionate and uh, you're a quick learner, uh, I think that uh, it could really make up for everything. Like uh, I can say that when I worked in IBM, um, I, I was interviewing uh, new recruits, also also in Joytunes, of course. But uh, I, I remember specifically, I remember someone that. Uh, had like 
his resume it, it was not very uh, very uh, impressive in terms of uh, in terms of experience but something about it about uh, writing a blog and being really active or something it caught my eye and uh, we invited him to, to an interview and uh, and also we saw that he doesn't have a lot of experience but we, we were willing to bet on him because of attitude and um, and it really paid off he was uh, he became an amazing developer in the team so I think that uh, you get experience by, by, by getting opportunities like that and you can create the, the opportunities for yourself if you're active, if you, have, uh, if you t contribute to open source or I don't know, do your own project. Uh, There's a lot of different ways to show that passion and show that yeah. activity. I mean, that's what I, I think that's definitely how I got the position. I didn't have uh, you know, programming experience, but mm -hmm. I showed like the passion, I showed that I go after what I want and I've been uh, trying to instill that in some of my other members like now asking uh, my Learn Swift LA members to start leading sessions because now because uh, a lot of them are just new to programming you know mm -hmm. and they're really excited about it just like I am and and now they can go to these interviews and say you know what I'm a I'm a teacher at Learn Swift LA like boom this is what I do like once a month or whatever I teach people and now it shows like you have passion because you're actually doing more than just like one thing, you know, you're doing like a couple of things. You might have some side projects. You might, uh, you know, do the meetup, or, and you might uh, have some open source, like you said. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's a really good point. I think it really is important for a lot of people to understand because I think that uh, people that are just starting out can uh, feel like there's no uh, light at the end of the tunnel. But if you, you know, if you really want it and you stick with it, um, your ex lack of experience um, will not, uh, you know, it won't. It won't really kill you. It won't, it won't be terrible for you as long as you like prove yourself in other ways. Mm -hmm. uh, real quickly, though, I want to uh, ask you about you said that working at IBM like wasn't really uh, fit. You had this like feeling that you wanted to make consumer facing products. Mm -hmm. Like when did you realize that and like what was going on in your head that like allowed you to make that decision or like helped you make that decision because I feel like there's a lot of people out there who are in that same situation they might be doing one job right now but they have a feeling that they're getting pulled towards this other thing like making iOS apps for instance and they uh they're so they're in that same kind of crossroads like what is going like how did you discover that and like what what was going on in your head at the time so so actually the the reason I joined uh, the team at IBM was mostly because I knew a couple of people that worked there, more than a couple actually, and I knew the, that uh, the people are really good people. Uh, I wasn't attracted to the, to the position at, uh, from the get-go. Uh, I, I thought I made a good decision. That, uh, I actually, I felt really good at IBM. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't a job that I wasn't happy at. And because people are are the most important thing in, in a, in a right. job. Yeah, it's, uh, I still feel this way. However, I felt something is missing uh, from the get-go um, because, because I'm not passionate about storage, okay? I need to work on something that I'm passionate about. Uh, otherwise, I'm, I'm all, I will always feel s uh, something is missing. So, yep. so I, you know, I, I, I went with it. It was a fun ride, but then the email from, from JoyTunes came and I knew that I must take this opportunity. 
Right, right. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, thank you so much for the the story. You know, I think it's really interesting to hear your background, and I just love hearing everyone's uh, and every guest's background because it's it's always so different, but there's also a lot of interesting similarities. And um, yeah, no, it's just great. Uh, so now I want to get into your experience with iOS specifically, especially as it relates to to Swift. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, you said you. Your first iOS experience was taking a job at Joytunes, which was about five years ago, mm-hmm. right? So that means, uh, you know, you have at least like two, three years experience with Objective-C, correct? Mm-hmm. So uh, then 2014, Swift is announced. Um, you have, you know, you have experience with Objective-C. What's, uh, what's going through your mind? Like, what's your thought when uh, Swift was announced? So I actually follow uh, DubDub very closely always. Uh... Uh, I didn't mention it until now, but I have a podcast of my own. Uh, it's in Hebrew. What's it called? It's called Mobile and Beer. Mobile and Beer. Nice. What's it about? Yeah, it's like we're three guys drinking beer, uh, drinking a different beer in uh, each episode. And, and it's, when we talk about mobile development. And, awesome. And we're actually, we, uh, we call it mobile development because we sometimes talk about Android and web, uh, mobile web and stuff, but we're actually... Uh, all three of us are very passionate about iOS, so we talk mostly cool. about this, and, and we followed up the very closely. And I, we know we knew we are going to record a special episode for the two, 2014 uh, uh, keynote, and uh, and. We watched it uh, together, or, or at least talked about it in, in chat together, and we were all like, wow. <laughs> when mm-hmm. We were very surprised and very excited. And we immediately, after the show, uh, I know I immediately, we st- started, you know, they released the ebook uh, immediately. And, right. and I immediately downloaded the ebook, played with it. I, I'm very passionate about new stuff. Uh, I like, I, I, I am, I am an early adopter. I love trying out stuff and uh, something as big as this, like a new language for the platform I, I develop actively in. Of course, I was going to try it out and, and uh, see what it, what's it, it's all about. And uh, I didn't immediately start working and, uh, and developing something in it, uh, but I knew that once I have the chance, I will. Um, and it was uh, actually the fact that it was uh, so easy to, to use it in an ob- active Objective-C project just like not so easy okay maybe i'm going too far but it was really doable to to have an an existing ios uh, objective c project and add a new feature in swift i knew that the next big feature i'm going to work in uh, work on for joytunes i'm going to use swift i'm going to try it out Uh, and so i did Uh, it was like a couple months later or something like that I think I think I waited for uh, for the be- Xcode betas to to become stable first. But uh, once the once iOS eight was out at the time, I I knew the next uh, next feature I'm going to work on is going to be in Swift. Um, and so it was, and uh, it was in Piano Maestro. I added some kind of 
animated uh, graph that uh, shows stats about the, the user, what rank he got in, uh, in each week, etc., etc. And it was done purely in Swift, um, and it was really, really interesting. <laughs> it was really fun. So have you actually read the language uh, reference guide, like the, the Swift book, like front to back? Uh, so I read the, the, the first episodes are like quick start. Uh, I read right. this. Uh, I actually I actually did this before I started the feature. I remember giving a talk about it to to the team. We are doing like uh, once every two weeks. Joytons we're we're doing like uh, happy hour developers that we. It's not like a classic happy hour of just doing something fun. It's also uh, we are like a workshop. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Cool. And, um, and so I remember giving a talk uh, explaining the, actually from the ebook, I, I took the example project, we, we looked into the features, etc. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, yeah, and then uh, started working on a feature, which, which is the best way to learn something new, uh, in my opinion. Right on, yeah. I see, I still haven't read the whole Swift book. Uh, I know some people that have. And that's like the way that they, the style that they like to learn. Mm -hmm. But uh, for me, I was more like watching the videos and then just actually like building something like you mm -hmm. just said, um, like picking a feature and building something. Uh, is that is that the type of uh, advice you might say for someone that's like just starting out? Uh, like, should they go through and just like read the entire book? I mean, I guess it depends on like the learning style. Yeah. But um, like what if someone just wants to like, dig in and start learning something like what would you say like how should they go about learning so so yeah it's it's really a personal style but uh if you ask me there's nothing uh, nothing beats like building something in order to learn it's like you have a goal you know what you want to achieve so you will if you're stuck it would be easier to 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 be motivated to to solve what you're stuck on, maybe you won't know all the details, all the APIs, all the. But anyhow, if you only read a book and do nothing about it, you will forget eventually. That's what I think. Right, right. So, so yeah, that's the best way that I can think of. I think you have an interesting perspective because you have worked with uh, so many different languages mm -hmm. and so many different platforms. It sounds like. I mean, you said like QBasic. I think you said then like <laughs> Pascal and then. <laughs> You were doing Java. You've done Python. Mm -hmm. It sounds like you've done, you know, lots of different stuff. What's your feeling uh, about Swift as a language and um, iOS, or maybe, yeah, like iOS, maybe the iOS derivatives um, as like a platform in general, like Apple devices as like a platform compared to other languages and other platforms. Well, um, so Swift from like is, a developer, from a developer perspective. Yeah. So so Swift is a young language. Um, which has its uh, disadvantages. I actually wrote a, a little bit after Swift came out. I wrote, I wrote a blog post uh, saying why, why I think Swift isn't ready yet. Uh, and I actually think most of the stuff there, uh, they, they actually handled in the in, uh, upcoming releases of Swift. So I think it will become better. Uh, but um, the, the biggest disadvantage uh, today, I think, are the tools. Um, Xcode is a nice tool. I won't argue uh, against it, but I actually, for Objective-C, I, I used AppCode for, 
for, for the oh, okay interesting so for those that might not know app code uh, is another IDE right an integrated development environment mm -hmm. just like Xcode but yeah it's you know it's a pr third party it's not made by Apple right yeah it meant it's made by JetBrains which I think make incredible tools in all a lot of platforms let's say and I really really admire their work uh, and coming from Java uh, Coming from Java and uh, in Java you had, I, I used to work in Eclipse and now you have IntelliJ, which is also by JBrands and it's a very good uh, ID. And you're, you're so uh, reliant on, you rely on refactoring tools and uh, extract method, ex extract variable. That, these are simple stuff. Xcode doesn't have any of them. It, it has rename and it works not not perfect it's not perfect so i've seen some little things like refactor i've seen like these i've never clicked on them before is that what you're talking about yeah or yeah does it not do the same thing yeah it's not I, I, in xcode it's uh, it's really really not uh, as good as what does it do let's say in app code like you say refactor what does it actually do okay so let's say um you have uh uh, you start writing a, writing a method and, and then you, you realize you want to call uh, uh, another... You, you, um, okay, let's explain like that. Uh, did you hear about uh, top-down development? Not exactly. Well, you... I'm, I hope I said it correctly. But anyhow, it's when you write the code, uh, or, or uh, another way to say it, it's uh, coding by wishful thinking. So you write the code. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, for me, the way I think of it is like um, you write the API at the point of use. So like yeah. you say like this is what I want it to look like. Like this is where I'm consuming it. And then you're like, okay, that looks good. Now let me go actually create the API as I want to consume it. Exactly. Great. Okay, so, cool. so, I, so, so I, I know I want to call an object. I want to call a method on, an, on the object. The method doesn't exist yet, so I just call it, and then I need to implement it so it, the code would compile. Uh, a refactoring uh, tool can be—it's actually a quick fix. Can we call it? But whatever. If, uh, it, so it's not maybe it's not refactoring per se, but it's something that an ID like AppCode can do and Xcode can't. It's, so what? It'll actually like write that method for you? Yeah, it would. It, with a click of a button, it would create the method in the correct uh, class, and uh, and you can start writing the body of the method. And wow. Okay. Saves a lot of time. Or another refactoring, uh, a more more classic refactoring is like uh, changing the name of a method, or ch or changing the name of a param parameter of, to the method, or adding a parameter to the method. All these kinds of stuff in Xcode, you have to search for every, uh, everywhere you will use the method, change the method itself, change all the calls to the methods, and you have to do it manually. In AppCode, so it's like, a uh, click of a button. Yeah. Right, right. Okay, so there is, there is the edit all in scope, but that will only change the name of something, whether it's a parameter, I mm -hmm. think, a parameter or... A, uh, a variable or constant name in the scope of the file, I yeah. think. Yeah, exactly. But what you're saying is, let's say you call this method like f in five different places, mm -hmm. uh, but you want to change the the method argument name or the label of mm -hmm. the, the parameter name. Mm -hmm. 
you know, let's say you can just go straight to the method declaration and just change it there and it changes it everywhere. But you're saying in Xcode that doesn't happen. Yeah. Yeah, I did oh, it only wow. in scope. It's the it's the exact is it's it's good, but it's only for the current file, not for all right. files. So, what are some other tools uh, that? Because I've been hearing this a lot lately, like developer tools. When a language is new, the developer tools are either non-existent or very limited. And then, as the language grows, more tools around that language start to 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 develop for an, uh, as an example of a developer tool, look at like, for instance, Jazzy, which is by Realm. It creates um, like uh, an API reference, uh, like in, as an HTML, uh, it generates it from the documentation mm -hmm. that you write using markup or markdown in your Swift files. So like okay. that's a developer tool. Uh, what are some other examples of developer tools that we're missing um, besides like for something like X, uh, app code? Yeah, so, what are some so, other so tools? first of all, I, I must say app code works with Swift, but it's not as good as it works with Objective-C yet. Okay. They're working on it, yeah, it would take time. And well, I was referring IDE as, I think the compiler itself is not as good, for, for example. Okay. Right. You get. You still get a lot of cryptic uh, error messages uh, in Swift. I actually have a nice story about this. Okay. Wanna... Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Of course. Yeah. So I I was in WW15 like last year. Uh, oh, nice. Yeah. And uh, and like uh, some, uh, as uh, I, I listened to to the WW episodes of your podcast, they were great, and I really recommend everybody who listening to, to go back and listen to all of them. And oh, I was planning on doing some more. So if you liked it, maybe I will. I have a couple more people I want to interview. Yeah, I really like them. And, okay, cool. And and something that came back all the time that people uh, that people said, and I really agree with it, is take advantage of the labs. They're right. they're they're amazing, right? So that's what I did. I realized I realized it re really quickly that that's what I need to do. So what I did is like I I sat there in the in the floor where all the labs are, and uh, and I worked on my projects, looking for questions to ask. Like I uh, I took the latest Xcode beta, the, it was probably Xcode seven beta one back at the time, and I started converting my my apps to to the new to the new swift version etc and see what happens and uh, and then when something came up I could simply go to the swift lab and ask uh, there so so the story is that uh, uh, I had like something like that and I had like a really weird uh, c compilation error uh, that uh, I think you, you people that are ex especially in the beta betas People will agree that this happens a lot. You 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 get you write something, it it doesn't compile, but you really don't understand what the message has to do with what's with the the problem. So right. uh, something like that happened, and I went there, and um, I was looking for uh, an engineer to help me, and they were only in a conversation, and then Chris Latner was there. Wow. <laughs> so so he, he approached me and he said, Dad, you need help? Uh, so I said, yeah, yeah, I have this weird compilation error. Uh, look at it. And he just sat with me and he said, OK, let's try to to uh, separate it to two lines and uh, get the, uh, the first line and two lines. And then and then the compilation error became clearer and he explained. And uh, yeah, and so it's, <laughs> it's really, it was really wow. funny. Then so I said, OK, now can I help Selfie? <laughs> 
<laughs> nice. Yeah. So you got to write Swift with Chris Latner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's cool. So for those that might not know, Chris Latner is the guy that wrote the Swift language, at least the initial implementation, definitely the initial commit. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, so it's really cool. So you got to meet him and write some code with him. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, real quick. So going back to developer tools, like something like app code, uh, for people that are just starting out, like I would probably never recommend that they need to even worry about something like app code, like using a different IDE. What are your thoughts on that? Well, yeah, I agree that beginners should first get to know the language and uh, and Xcode is very good. And I think for Swift, the there's no real real uh, <coughs> dilemma because uh, because uh, there are. Kind of the same with the with the refactoring tools. AppCode has more refactoring tools. It works, but it has other uh, disadvantages. For instance, for one thing, you can't use AppCode alone if you're using Interface Builder because because you must uh, open the Interface Builder in Xcode. So um, so um, AppCode doesn't have an Interface Builder type I, thing. They actually had some kind of uh, Interface Builder-like in, I think it was in beta and they decided not to go with it. But anyhow, it's not as good. It's not as good. You must use uh, Xcode for the Interface Builder. Are you guys using uh, Interface Builder and storyboards at yeah. JoyTunes? Yeah, a lot. Okay, okay cool. Yeah. Uh, for the storyboards versus code uh, discussion, I'm all for storyboard. Okay, cool. Any particular reason why? Well, the number one reason I would say is that when you have a complicated app, the compilation time um, is very long. So if you have to compile, uh, especially in Swift, by the way, so if you have to compile and wait like a minute until you can see your app running and and see the change you made, how it affected, it's a great waste of time. And in Storyboard, you can simply see how it, it's not, you know, you still have to, there are still things that will look differently, but there are awesome tools to, to, to see how the view looks in all. That's a really good point. I never thought about that. Yeah. yeah. So like in Storyboards, you're already looking at somewhat of the end result, yeah. right? Like you can see if the constraints worked or not, yeah. right? It gives you immediate feedback on whether or not your constraints are working with your views. And you can also do the preview. Um, and so that means that's time. You don't have to just press the run button every time just to just see what happened with your view. That's a really good point. Anything yeah, else? So that's my, that's my number one reason. Um, cool. And it, it, it saved us a lot of time, I'm sure. But that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, because I, I know there's a lot of people out there that like have that debate, like storyboards and interface builder versus like everything programmatically. Mm -hmm. I tell everybody that's just starting out, just do it all in interface builder. Do it all in store with storyboards as much as you can because mm -hmm. it's one less thing you have to worry about in code, which I think is a blessing for people just starting yeah, out. Yeah, so, so I have just one rule that don't, don't make uh, extremely complicated storyboards. It's best that one view controller has one storyboard or, or a group of view controllers maybe that are dealing with the same flow. But don't make one giant storyboard of your app because this way it would be really hard to collaborate over uh, Git or something like that. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. So let's say 
uh, let's say you have a tab bar controller with five different uh, view controllers, mm -hmm. like five different tabs, right? Yeah. And each tab has like a total different flow. So like Instagram has the feed, mm -hmm. then the search has like its whole flow. And then posting a photo has its own flow. Mm -hmm. Notifications has its own flow. Your profile has its own flow. It sounds like you're saying those separate tabs, those separate sort of view controller flows would be separate storyboard files. Yeah, exactly. And then you can wind them up on, in code, which is with not that, a lot of code. And also with that reference, you can have like storyboard references or something? Yeah, that's true. I've never tried it yet. But it, yeah, me neither. Yeah. But I bet that probably saves load time whenever you click on a particular storyboard. It doesn't have to like spend as much time loading like all the different storyboard, all the different scenes. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure about that exact. Yeah, yeah, it should should. How, how does it how does it work when you say connecting the storyboards in code? You mean like when let's say you hit the the second tab, you're just saying okay. When the user hits that tab, pull out this storyboard reference. That's like your initial view controller. Yeah. So I don't know how okay. storyboards reference work yet. I didn't try it yet. But we are just you can just you know no instantiate a storyboard right. object in code and then instantiate right. first view controller or instantiate view controller with ID and give the ID. Yeah, something like nice. that. Nice. Yeah. Cool. So what would you say to somebody right now? It's like, you know, what's like the thing that they should be focusing on right now? I mean, I, I, of course, it depends on each person and like what stage they're at and like what goals they have. Um, but like, what do you think someone should focus on if they're just trying to learn Swift uh, and they're trying to learn iOS development, whether they're trying to make an app or they're trying to become an employee? Like, what would you say to somebody? Like, what, what should they focus on? Well, my, I think that the the most important thing if if you're starting out as a developer and you, you chose you happen to choose swift to, cho to have chosen swift or an ios like uh, what sorry like if you have previous experience you mean yeah i mean if you don't have previous experience and you're learning swift because that's what you decided to learn i say don't focus on don't focus on swift and ios specific stuff Focus on on like development, general development stuff of becoming a, a better developer. Which the most important thing, in my opinion, is clean code uh, related issues like uh, um, uh, like writing good names and uh, and I think testing is uh, is also a very important thing. Like uh, in in iOS, in in a very user facing uh, platform that then testing is not uh, as important maybe because many many of the stuff you see like animations and uh, how our view located are take a lot of time of the development and it's not worth testing for for those I think but for complicated apps there are usually a lot of model code behind and a lot of logic behind that are unit testable. So I, I, I believe that uh, good, uh, good apps should have very thin uh, view controllers uh, that, and that, that you don't unit test, but everything else, uh, which are the networking code, the model code, uh, objects, lo the business logic of the app should be uh, with stuff that you can that you can and should unit test. So unit testing is something that if you are not into, I I really recommend uh, trying out. And 
I think it, I, I have like a series of blog posts what I, why I think uh, unit testing is a must. So even for someone who's just starting out, you'd recommend that they start looking into testing? So I would say the total opposite. Like, at least for me, my perspective, like that was just like, I couldn't imagine thinking about testing. Like, okay, so what, what do you think? yeah, you have a point. You have a point. I, I'd say someone, someone who's just starting up and trying to make something work, that, that it's not a good uh, advice. But if you, yeah, yeah, you, you, you actually, I stand corrected. It's not for someone who's just starting out. But I think that um, uh, once you decide, decided that this is your career, this is what mm -hmm. you want to do, then, and it can be after like experimenting with some apps and building some stuff uh, for a year or two maybe, but not, right. not longer than this, you right. should become a professional developer, a, a, a software craftsman, as they say. What would you say to somebody who's just wanting to make an app because like that's what they want to do. Mm -hmm. They don't necessarily want to become a developer. They just want to work on their app. I might still tell them like eventually you're probably going to want to test. But uh, some people will think like, no, I just want to get this into the app store and put it out there. Mm -hmm. uh, what would you say to somebody like that about testing in well, clean code? Um, yeah, probably, probably it's too much to clean code i think is something that you can you can learn from the start okay it's like it's a style that uh, it, it will be hard to to understand but but to at least aspire to to write clean code is right. to to choose good variable names that's that's the the basic it and it's not hard it's not hard to to choose a good variable name instead of calling it xy i don't know uh, <laughs> It's, it's something very basic, and I think that you should start there. Uh, nice. I, I say that I think that uh, uh, naming is, is really underrated. It's, it's one of the most important things in programming. It's important that whatever you write, it's important that it will work, of course, but it should be readable. Whatever you write should be readable. It's, it, it shouldn't take more time than making it. Uh, because of making it uh, something that works because when you when you come back to it a week after you won't remember what you did if, if it's not really right yeah. right not to talk yeah, about so other I, people yeah i've been getting into testing over the last like basically the, over the summer it's been really fun i've been using quick and nimble for all my unit tests have you played with quick and nimble uh, yeah not yet not yet uh, yeah you should check it out it's really cool it's uh, very declarative Okay. So it uses this whole um, sort of paradigm of like describe. So you describe mm -hmm. the thing that you're you're talking about, you're testing. You have a context. So it's BDD like. Um, so, yeah, very BDD, yeah. behavioral driven development. It's really cool, yeah. really cool. Yeah. And so your tests explain. It's like self documenting. You know, your tests explain like what each object does. Mm -hmm. I want to go back to what you said about thin view controllers. Yeah. Um, and, and again, for those that might just be starting out, these are things that you, you know, you can just be exposed to and don't worry too much about like necessarily implementing them. I always uh, like to take the practical approach. But as Yoni said, it's a good thing to keep in mind and aspire to. But so when you talk about thin view controllers, um, we I think we talked a little bit about uh, MVVM offline. Mm -hmm. um, so if you're not doing MVVM, uh, are you doing something kind of like that where your view controllers are thin there's not a lot of logic in them and all of the logic is like happening outside in a, either a service or some type of model um, sort of model 
kind of constructor or model I don't know, almost like a view model. Like how how do you keep your view controllers? Yeah, clean? yeah. So so I try to. <laughs> I really <laughs> right. try to do it. It's not always easy. I don't always do it <laughs> because it's very tempting not to do it. But this is what I want to uh, this is where I want to be. I want to be in a if I have networking code, then the view controller shouldn't be doing it. It should call something, uh, call another class that will be in charge of that. So right. that's the that's the general idea. So and this class is yeah I know I know about MVVM. I don't have a name for what I'm doing. I, I really I'm not I'm not a big fan of uh, of uh, putting names to 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 the way I program because like you know I'm just doing what's like intuitive. It's constri- yeah, and it's like constrictive because then it's like this has to be this particular way, mm-hmm. but it doesn't. It's like you kind of just do what what you need to do to kind of make it work. Yeah, and I Whereas evolve all the time to it, with the project, you know. So the other thing that uh, makes a view controller thick is the view. And uh, it sounds like, well, you're doing a lot of storyboard programming, so maybe that doesn't matter. But when you're doing a lot of um, custom view programming, like, you know, programmatically not using storyboards, not using um, interface builder, um, oftentimes the view controller can be filled up with with a lot of view programming, mm-hmm. like buttons and labels and stuff. But what I've been doing is like just creating subclasses for all my views. So if I have a feed view controller, a view controller that controls my feed of photos, let's say, um, and I have a so then I'll create like a feed view, a view that has like a table view inside of it, let's say, mm-hmm. and I'll just assign the view of the feed VC uh, its view right mm-hmm. as a feed feed view right and so all the view programming is happening in a ui view subclass and it's it's not inside the view controller and so like the view controller really is just in charge of like hooking up the model objects to the particular parts of the view yeah yeah we're doing a lot of that yeah as well and uh, and you, with ib designable and ib inspectable you can actually hook it up with the interface builder so it's cool that's cool. Yeah, I haven't got into I haven't got into the IB designable, IB inspectable. So for those that might not know, like um, IB interface builder, and you can uh, prefix like stuff in your code uh, with IB designable or IB inspectable, which sort of like creates some type of like inspector in interface builder. It's pretty cool. Maybe it's slightly advanced. I don't know, but yeah, it's, how, how are you guys using it? Uh, it's actually, it's not working very well with large projects. The, the IB designable <laughs> part, uh, for, for, it's all IB designable. Um, uh, if your project is very large, then it needs to be compiled every time you're, you're saving, you're changing the view in order for interface builder to to refresh it and then it loses what I said earlier about interface builder, which you don't need to compile in order to see the result. Uh, and if you can use it in a framework, but you can't use it in a static library and the framework has to be to have, never mind. So it's not perfect right now. That That's the bottom <laughs> line. So IB Designable, we're not using it so much because of the drawbacks. I hope it will be improve in later Xcode version. But uh, IB Inspectable is actually really a really easy thing to do. You just like the classic example I have is like you you subclass UI label and you add uh, stroke color and stroke stroke width, right? You, you add okay. these properties and then you can have an implementation of uh, um, of draw rect that uh, that adds the stroke and uh, and if you made them IB Inspectable, 
then when you declare your your label in uh, interface builder as the the subclass label then you can simply see two new uh, things you can you can customize in the inspector yeah and then you can just set the stroke width and stroke color there right there yeah that's super cool i haven't played around with that yet mm -hmm. Right on, right on. So you do a lot of uh, audio stuff, I and mean, we're we're coming close to the end. Like we're definitely over okay. <laughs> at the end already. But I kind of want to talk about the audio stuff that you do. Like, what frameworks do you work with? Um, like, um, first party iOS, like first party, or you know, or even, I guess it would be iOS specific uh, frameworks. Like, is it Audio Toolbox? Is it AV Foundation? Like, what are the different audio things that you need to work with um, at Joytunes? So our apps are and. Uh are doing, uh, first of all, we have like the recognition engine I mentioned, which uh, um, which is using audio toolbox and uh, it actually uses Accelerate framework to do all, all kind of uh, Whoa. matrices and stuff. That I'm actually not the one who worked on it, so I can't explain it a lot. Uh, but this is one part that we're just recording uh, samples from the microphone. It's actually, it's, it's low level. It could be rewritten. It's just, we started working on, on, on it five years ago and the, the high level right. APIs weren't as good. And right, or even available probably. Yeah, so yeah. So maybe weren't available. So, okay, so anything else? Audio Toolbox, yeah, Accelerate? Yeah, so, so this is the, but our apps also play a lot of audio. And uh, we're using uh, AV Foundation for uh, for playing uh, regular stuff. Uh, something we inserted um, uh, lately, uh, we we added 3D touch support for the for Simply Piano that you can have a touch piano that responds to to 3D touch. Uh, if you play hard, it would play a better sound, uh, a louder sound. And if you play softly, you, you get a softer sound. That, that's cool. Was it hard to implement that? It was, um, there were a lot of challenges, but it was, the, the 3D part that was, was cool, was, uh, was not hard. But then the, trans, the translation probably. Yeah, that, like what, what is loud and what is soft, it wasn't that hard. Uh, I actually add, uh, added uh, to, we are using for, for the game engine, I didn't mention it, for the game engine, um, um, the, the part of the game that you see uh, sheet music on the screen and then uh, animations with the sheet music, etc. We're using a third-party framework called Sparrow framework, uh, Sparrow? Uh, Sparrow. Yeah. Uh, it's not very popular. We are, uh, if we would have rewritten it now, we probably would have used SpriteKit, but uh, we started, you know, legacy code, uh, we left with Sparrow. So I actually added, uh, had to create a pull request for Sparrow to support 3D Touch. Uh, that was part oh, of wow. the presentation. Yeah, That's so the cool. audio part of it, uh, we used the AV audio engine uh, for uh, for playing sound, high quality piano sounds with re reverb and uh, uh, other cool stuff. So this is something new with audio. With uh, recently. Wow, that, so that's cool. Okay, so that do you have a good amount of experience with these different? I mean, it sounds like Accelerate. You don't have you didn't really work on that part, yeah. but the other ones. Um, audio toolbox and the um, AV Foundation and AV Audio Engine. So it sounds like you have a good amount of experience with that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. That's cool. All right. Well, if I ever have a question, I'm definitely going to hit you up. <laughs> cool.
So the Accelerate, though, I know you said you didn't work with it. Um, it sort of made a little bit of news uh, at Dub Dub this last uh, this last Dub Dub um, because I don't know. I guess it's like something about using it for mach- deep deep learning or something like that. Well, do you remember our, hearing about this? Yeah. So our engine or neur- is no, using sorry, deep neural, learning. No, sorry, neural 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 networks. Yeah. So our engine is using deep learning. So yeah, it's it's interesting. Yeah, I want to. I don't know. Like, so what? Anyways, I know you don't have that much. You said you didn't have much experience, but I'm just like wondering, like, what can you do with that? Like, accelerate. Like, what does that even mean? Deep learning, machine learning. Like, uh, well, <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit hard to. You know, we're, we're okay. over the one hour, so it, it would be yeah, hard yeah. to. Yeah, yeah, okay. okay. Well, so for another time, then. Yeah. Another time. Yeah. All right. Cool. So we have definitely come to the uh, the end. So I want to do a couple things. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first is uh, where can people contact you online? Yeah, so I'm on Twitter. My my handle is uh, the Yoni Bomber. The Yoni Bomber, uh, like the Unabomber. Yeah, but the, with... the Yoni Bomber. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a little controversial uh, Twitter handle. Where'd you get that? How'd you get that? Well, I <laughs> there's the poker player, the Unabomber. You know him? Oh no, I didn't know that. Yeah, there's the poker. I just know the the Unabomber is like some U.S. thing, like um. Some pretty bad thing, I guess, that happened in the U.S. I'm not exactly sure. Yeah, so it, it was, so it was long a ago, terrorist but. in the U.S. But uh, the thing is, there's a famous uh, picture of him with the with the hood on. Okay. 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 So uh, and then there was a poker player. I forgot his name. Phil something. I think. Uh, Phil, that, Phil. 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 Um, yeah. Yeah. Phil. Okay. I know. I think that sounds familiar. So yeah. he he always wore a hood. So the, he got the nickname the Unabomber. And, oh, that's and funny. In winter, <laughs> in winter, I always wear, wear a hood. So I, uh, okay. so I took this, uh, this nickname and turned it to the Yoni Bomber because I'm Yoni. The Yoni, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> so, um, all right, so, so people can contact you on Twitter, anywhere else, or is Twitter the best yeah, way to get Yeah, Twitter, you can, you can uh, listen to the Mobile and Beer podcast and, uh, and send me feedback there as well. But uh, yeah, I think Twitter is the best. I'm on, I'm on Facebook, I'm on everywhere, but uh, Twitter would probably be the best for iOS developers too. All right, cool. And the last thing, uh, one piece of advice for people learning Swift. Uh, so, so as, as I said, Swift, Swift is a tool, I think, uh, uh, like any, any other language, it's, it's, it's a tool for software development. And the most important thing, uh, uh, you need to remember is you need to be a, first a good developer and then a, f- a good Swift developer. So. You need to care about clean code. You need to be passionate. You, be, you need to be a good team player, which, 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 which is stuff that is important for every developer. And, uh, and you need to stay up to date. That's also important, especially in iOS and Swift. Uh, you need to, if you're listening to this podcast, it's, it's a good start <laughs> uh, because, uh, because it's a great way to, be, to, to, to listen and learn about new, new stuff uh, and other podcasts as well. Also, I like newsletters, whatever. Um, yeah. And okay, and then my last, uh, my last advice is uh, you, iOS is an amazing platform and uh, you can make amazing apps in it and uh, and I often see developers who don't uh, pay enough attention to to the to the design to the UI of the app 
and uh, I, I think I personally think a good Swift developer, a good iOS developer, uh, is very has very much attention to design and to fine details, like being pixel perfect on your designer's uh, design, and right. and animations and and stuff like that. It's I think it's like uh, it makes a very big big difference in the final result result. Right. Right. Yeah. All right, cool. Yoni, man, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you for and, having uh, me. Yeah. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah, just sharing your story. I mean, being a developer in, in Tel Aviv and uh, starting when you were like 10 years old <laughs> and like going to the military and working on things you can't talk about <laughs> and then going to like IBM and then taking a leap of faith and following like what you wanted, which was uh, consumer you know, facing products and and con connecting your passion for software development and music mm -hmm. and finding that at Joytunes. And um, yeah, and then just like sticking with Swift since the beginning. And, um, you know, hopefully you can um, put more information out there. It sounds like you write some blog posts. Hopefully you can write some more and like be one of the people that helps uh, get testing and clean code, like continue to push that in, um, in iOS. Because, mm -hmm. you know, it is, it's not that uh, important as it is in other languages I keep hearing. Um, yeah, and uh, look forward to talking with you in the future. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you. And really enjoyed. And that's the show, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Swift Coders podcast. Feel free to share the show with a friend, leave a review on iTunes, or recommend us on Overcast. If you have any questions, comments, or just want to say hi, contact me on Twitter. Until next time, go swiftly, my friends.